Chapter Six of the Friendly Terrace Quartet, or Peggy Raymond at the Poplars, by Harriet Lummis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six, What's in a Name? Peggy came back from her day at Beechwood so excited over the surprise in store for young Mister Fitzmorris that she was half through her dinner before she discovered that Amy and Priscilla had something on their minds. Priscilla showed it characteristically by eating almost nothing. Amy, who could be depended on to find something humorous in the most tiresome day, and recount it in a fashion conducive to the general gaiety, was as silent as a sphinx, though she cleared her plate methodically. Peggy, who had been doing more than her share of the talking, as an unconscious outlet for her overflowing spirits, lost the thread of the story she was telling when she realized that something was wrong with her friends. It was some time before she had a chance to ask them about it. The girls took turns helping with the dinner dishes, and this was her night to assist. Although the squad to which this duty was allotted was as large as the kitchen could accommodate conveniently, washing the dinner dishes for forty people is a task demanding time and patience. When Peggy had finished, she was not surprised to find Amy and Priscilla seated on the stairs with that indefinable yet unmistakable air of waiting for somebody. "'Priscilla,' called a voice from the living room just as Peggy made her appearance, get your violin won't you and play the humoresque if i don't hear it at least once in twenty-four hours i feel as if i'd gone without my dinner priscilla's response to this flattering appeal confirmed peggy's apprehensions please judy she said tonelessly wait till to-morrow i'm not a bit in the mood for playing here's peggy now exclaimed amy in a low eager voice and she heaved a sigh so expressive of relief that peggy's curiosity deepened to real concern as if it had been arranged beforehand, the three girls walked through the hall, crossed the porch, and went down the steps into the dewy grass. Priscilla took possession of one of Peggy's arms and Amy of the other. It was not necessary for Peggy to ask any questions. "'Oh, dear!' Priscilla exclaimed, squeezing the arm she held. "'We've got the queerest thing to tell you.' "'We've been keeping it ever since half-past five, Amy put in, "'and it's a wonder we haven't exploded.' "'Don't talk as if it were a joke, Amy,' protested Priscilla a little sharply, "'for it is a serious matter.' "'Well, I should think it was pretty serious if I exploded,' declared Amy, defending herself. But Priscilla paid no attention. "'We've found out something about somebody here, Peggy, and we don't know what we ought to do, whether we ought to keep it to ourselves or not. We think.' Apparently Amy felt that Priscilla was too deliberate in getting to the point. She broke in deftly, we think we've discovered a german spy what screamed peggy Shh! we don't want anyone to know unless it's something we ought to tell come a little further from the house so we'll be sure nobody's listening they started on a run down the slope that led to the orchard when it was quite certain that they had no audience except the fireflies and crickets they came to a halt and all three were breathing fast well peggy prompted nobody can hear us now go on Priscilla took up the story. The way it happened was this, Peggy. You heard them say at dinner that on the way home tonight something went wrong with the bus. Marion couldn't make it move an inch. She got out and began to tinker with it, and most of the girls waited to see if she could get it started, but we were only about half a mile from the house, and Amy and I thought we could walk along. One other girl came with us, Edith Brinton. Peggy, you remember her, don't you? that's the girl with very light hair isn't it and a nice voice i've never talked with her a great deal but i thought she seemed pleasant yes she seems nice priscilla said darkly the question is 
is she what she seems or not wait amy cried seeing that peggy was about to speak you won't understand until you have heard the rest of it peggy we didn't hurry on our way home because we thought at any minute marian might get the bus started and catch up with us so we strolled along taking things easy edith was picking flowers so she got a little way behind us just as we got to that pretty little lane with the locust trees an automobile passed us going in the opposite direction it was full of people and though we didn't think of it at the time when we walked it over afterward we realized that they all had a german look well the car passed us but just as it got to edith it stopped one of the women called out why mina or something or other it sounded like eichenberger and it certainly didn't sound a bit like edith brinton corroborated priscilla oh i should say not it might not have been eichenberger but it was one of those long german names that fills your mouth so full that there isn't room for another syllable and then if that wasn't enough to make anybody suspicious continued amy the way she acted afterward would have settled it i only wish you could have seen her face peggy priscilla cried of course we couldn't hear a word of what was said but they talked for quite a little while amy and i walked on but though we were so far ahead she caught up with us and the first thing she said was that the people in the car had stopped her because they wanted to know the way to laurelton she was as red as a beet when she told us that observed amy you couldn't wonder either peggy hesitated she had the characteristic american reluctance to believe in plots and plotters and moreover she failed to see anything in the simple community life at the poplars worthy a spy's attention but if she was anything like that she protested what would she be doing here no telling she might poison us all some fine day suggested amy cheerfully she might think she would pick up some information worth while said priscilla half the girls here have brothers or friends in the service they say that nothing is too big for those spies to try and nothing is too small to bother with but peggy's conviction that a bona fide spy would be wasting her time at the poplars remained unaltered she cast about for some less disturbing explanation of the story to which she had listened perhaps they called to her thinking they knew her and when she came up they saw they were mistaken a girl's own mother might not know her in a farmerette rig but they talked quite a long time peggy and not a bit as if they were asking the direction somewhere they might have been asking about the work we are doing i've had people stop me and ask any number of questions it's so new that everybody's interested if that was all objected priscilla seemingly a little vexed to find peggy so hard to convince i don't know why she should have looked so red and confused when she caught up with us the redness is easy enough to understand you said you were quite a way ahead and she must have hurried and as far as you felt suspicious priscilla it was easy enough for you to imagine she seemed confused too there was a moment's silence then priscilla said a vague disappointment in her tone then you think we'd better not tell mrs lockwood or anybody peggy did not hesitate mrs lockwood would be the one to speak to of course if you had reason to be suspicious about anybody but to tell the truth priscilla i can't see that there's anything to tell you thought you heard edith called by a different name from the one she goes by but there are so many ways of explaining such a thing that i can't see it's worth making a fuss about with an effect of turning to something more interesting she added now listen while i tell you what happened at beechwood to-day if amy and priscilla had a sense of disappointment over peggy's reception of the news which had seemed to them so important they were too generous to retaliate in kind they waxed indignant over mr fitzmorris's lack of patriotism and shouted joyfully over the novel rebuke in store for him 
as they strolled back to the farmhouse nothing in their manner suggested the dark suspicions which accounted for their absenting themselves and a fair-complexioned girl who saw them enter dropped her eyes with an expression of relief on the warmer nights the girl sat on the broad porch but this particular evening was cool enough for the big living-room made equal to accommodating mrs lockwood's large family by knocking out a partition it was the only room in the house in which any concession had been made to the artistic for the bedrooms and the dining-room were furnished with a severe practicality almost grim in its effect in the living-room however there were several grass rugs on the painted floor and a couch with a cheerful striped cover broke a rather formidable stretch of wall thanks to one of the women interested in the project several pictures loaned from her own apartment added a homelike touch almost every day some of the girls brought flowers from the farms where they had worked and all available jugs and bottles had been pressed into service as vases in the evenings at least when every chair and stool was occupied and the late-comers sat on the floor knitting or took refuge on the broad window-sills or perched on the arm of some chair strong enough to carry double the big room did not lack attractiveness the friendly terrace girls last of all to join the company were welcomed cordially amy was at once invited to hold a skein of yarn for a girl who promised to reciprocate when she should be in need of a like service a high school senior who had conceived a high admiration for priscilla moved to the very edge of the chair she occupied that priscilla might share it with her and peggy seating herself cross-legged on a rug the corner of which no one had preempted was a little startled to discover herself shoulder to shoulder with the girl who called herself edith brinton and who if amy and priscilla had heard correctly was sometimes called mina eichenberger peggy had no wish to give any further thought to the matter she had so summarily settled as far as her two friends were concerned but in spite of herself she found her thoughts centering on edith the fair-skinned rather broad face with its crown of light hair was peggy acknowledged typically german and once as in conversation with the girl who sat on her right edith used the word advise peggy gave a start and dropped a stitch it had really seemed as if edith had given that v a peculiar sound more like a w peggy remembered a german friend of her mother's who would have passed for an american without difficulty if it had not been for those troublesome v's which were always tripping her up she too would have said advise where did you work to-day asked mag whipple crossing the room and seating herself beside her peggy welcomed this distraction to her thoughts but priscilla who always resented mag's assumption of being on friendly terms with peggy made no effort to conceal her displeasure peggy described her day at beechwood without mentioning that in addition to her other activities she had planted a few carrots running the lawn-mower is such hard work she said hard mag scoffed if you call that hard i wonder what you're going to say when the haying season begins and i'd like to see some of those wise guys making a load i bet it would be lying on the ground before it was halfway to the barn why asked peggy who was not above learning from disagreeable people and with a marked air of condescension mag explained that a load of hay must be built evenly and substantially to prevent slipping some of the other girls glanced curiously in her direction as she talked on her voice unnecessarily loud and her frequent grammatical slips jarring on the ear but the conversation remained a dialogue no one else made any effort to join in it the evenings at the poplars were cut short except on saturdays for the hard unaccustomed work made a long night's rest necessary and half-past five came too early for an ordinary bedtime the girls had begun to roll up their knitting preparatory to going to bed when somebody started carry me back to old virginia the others joined with a will coming out strong in the chorus 
Peggy noticed with admiration the quality of Edith Brinton's voice, clear and sweet as the notes of a bird. One favorite followed another, and then, as a signal that it was time for good night, Marion Keith, who in many ways was a leader among them, started America, and every girl stood up. The spirit that accounted for their presence on the farm, and for the work they were doing, their loyalty and youthful ardor, and their passion to serve, all found voices in the song. Even Matilda, the cook, a person of extreme placidity, set the kitchen door ajar to listen. In the middle of the second verse Peggy made a discovery. Edith Brinton was not singing. Peggy stole a glance at her and found her looking fixedly at the floor, her expression singularly baffling to the girl who watched her, and her eyes were full of tears. Peggy went to bed in a thoughtful mood. Though she was not ready to admit that she had taken too much on herself in deciding the question which was agitating Amy and Priscilla, she had begun to appreciate a fact she had not realized earlier, that in making that decision she had undertaken something of a responsibility, and it may have been that realization which kept her from falling asleep until she had quieted her uneasiness by the resolve that for a time at least she would keep a watchful eye on the activities of Edith Brinton. End of chapter 6